1: Hello and welcome to the Truth from a Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 42. Today, John and I talk with Rick Kiley about changing his game plan and his two buck October. So stay tuned. Yeah. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. Today we are joined by a buddy of ours, uh, Rick Kiley from New York. We're talking about the uh, the magic Midas touch he had during October. Killed two great deer in October. We wanted to try to get him on a little earlier, but schedules as they were uh, just weren't going to permit for that. So we're bringing him in now. Uh, to talk about his awesome October hunt. The dude saw more deer in October than, uh, and, and, I don't know, probably than I did the entire season, to be quite honest. But before we jump into that, I am joined by my esteemed colleague, as always, Mr. Johnny Utah. What's going on, brother? What is happening, big dog? Oh, man. I feel like a little dog today. I feel like a little dog in a... One, oh, hold on. I should start this over. Words. Words. That was bad, man. I was gonna go for—I was gonna go for some witty comment, and I just totally fumbled it. That was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Uh, I think I was trying to say I feel like a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. There we go. That works. That works. Yep. But uh, other—otherwise, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm okay. I guess I got a discount on pants,
2: maybe, if I only need one leg.
1: But what's going yeah. on with you, man?
2: Ah, uh, well, um. It is uh, mid-swing, first season uh, shotgun season here in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Um, I think today was day three, and um, so far, my number one, and I'm fearful that my number three hit list bucks uh, have been killed by the Army of Orange.
1: Man, I can... uh... I, I feel your I feel your pain, man. Like we were just talking a little bit before we before we hopped on the record here and kind of lamenting, um, you know, our situations with uh, with the, the deer that we've been kind of watching and what, and what happens to them. And you know, it, it's a uh, it's one of those things, man. It's it, it's tough being a bow hunter sometimes, man. Especially you know, it's, I'll say this: whenever folks around you don't or that you hunt with, sometimes I think it even goes as far as you hunt with um, to a certain degree don't practice the same type of approach that you do or a similar approach it makes things exponentially more difficult I mean it's it's challenging enough as it is as a bow hunter um, and then to kind of add that on top of it is uh is brutal I know I posted here I guess it was this past week that uh the, the guy that I was watching for a couple of years at deer lucky even though I kind of I forewent the hunts for him this year because I knew I was only going to really get one crack at him. So I kind of called off the hunt for him um, after I had the one encounter with him and knew that I probably wasn't going to get another one until maybe late season. Um, but it's confirmed he was he was taken just this week uh, in Pennsylvania's rifle season. A good buddy of mine took him, so I'm super stoked for him. Uh, but that wasn't, I know what we were talking about before we jumped on the phone here, or before we jumped on the call here was, you know, that wasn't so much the bigger issue. It was, you know, we've, we've done some... Property management stuff at this on this piece of ground with habitat and food plots and stuff like that, and we've actually been able to grow some decent deer. The past, I'd say, this was the first year we really started really seeing the fruits of our labor, where we started getting some younger deer that that were looking good, that probably just needed another year, and we were going to have a really good crop of of shooters. Where it's not like a single shooter that we would have, where it would be like you would have you know four and maybe five deer that you would be happy to take, and uh, they've all been killed. Um, I got text message pictures of each of them and, uh, they were all taken by, you know, um, family and friends that hunt this property, you know, it's don't begrudge them having a good time, but man, it's a tough pill to swallow.
2: Sure. You know, um, you know, I don't know. How about you, man? How you feeling? Well, you know, it's, it's always been one of those things. I mean, you know, I, yes, I'm a diehard, um, bow hunter. Uh, I love, I love the sport the conservation of hunting. I love the heritage, the pastime, you know, let's just throw that out there and get that out of the way, you know? Right. That's, that's kind of like it, the check the box,
1: man. It's like anyone who knows yeah. you and spends any time talking to you or watching the work that you do or anything like that. It's like, those things are, are very apparent. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And you know, it's kind of, but then there's always that, but uh, it's um, remember at Talladega nights, uh, you know, I mean, with all due respect, well you can't just say whatever you want to say, you know. <laughs> I but I said with all due respect. Hold on so, hold on I wanna stop
1: you right there because you realize this is two podcasts in a row that where we reference Talladega nights. The last one oh, yeah, was me yeah. calling my wife yeah. the Stone Cold Fox at Thanksgiving for <laughs> for Grace, which happened again yeah. this year.
2: <laughs> um so um maybe not in open forums, um in closed door talking with the buddies and via text messages and whatnot um John's true feelings I am not a fan of shotgun driving yeah um for for the following reasons one it's dangerous mm-hmm. um two I'm not saying that there is there isn't shotgun driving groups that um that don't have the same values um as my as my, my take on deer management, you know, and the desire to to harvest mature deer. Right. I'm sure there is a ton of shotgun driving groups that that's what they do. But it does seem like there is a it, there is a large percentage of shotgun driving groups that, um, it, you know, they get the reputation. If it's brown, it's down. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I saw a buck running. I didn't really know what buck it was. I just shot. Right. Um. So you know in the last couple of days, like i said, my number one hit list deer um was taken um congrats to the guy that that got him he he's a beauty um he'll be he'll be in the upper sixties uh he might even break seventy on a on a gross uh, but I still think he will be one sixty five or better net yeah. um good good buck um I could have shot this deer uh, on october twenty sixth Um, he didn't present me what I was looking for. It was a pretty hard quarter two shot. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to take the shot. I didn't want to risk it. He's a good enough deer, you know, and I'm not saying that any deer is is worth a bad shot, but that's not how I wanted to take the deer. You know, I, I wanted a good broadside shot and he didn't present it. Um, but I'll be honest, you know, looking at him at that stage and it could have been the angle that I was looking at. It had me second-guessing his age on the hoof because we all talk about trail cameras versus on-the-hoof sightings. Um, Nonetheless, I made the decision that I wasn't going to shoot the deer. Uh, Once he trotted off, then I got confirmation, no, he definitely is mature, and uh, I grunted at him. he he kind of came back towards me but but again didn't give me a clean shot. Uh, it got too dark on me to, to to take the shot. So nonetheless, you know he was taken and and that's awesome. I'm glad that the guy took him. Um, but you know my always my concern is um, you know are, are those are, is everybody shooting the same number of does that they are bucks um, right. knowing from in this area, close to my house from trail cameras and on the hoof observations, deer numbers are down Mm -hmm. drastically down, Mm -hmm. uh, does and bucks, Mm -hmm. um, more does than bucks. I can, I, I mean, as far as what's down, I'm sorry, bucks are down more so than does, right? Um, nonetheless, um, you know, I was going to be very, very choosy about deer that I that I took this year. Lots of uh, lots of potential. Lots of two and three year old up and comers. Uh, several that I passed this year. And um, you know, you know, you hear it all too often. Well, man, I really thought that buck was bigger. Right. I'm like, yeah. well, then you know. Make a decision before you shoot. And, and again, again, it goes back to the reason why I don't shotgun drive. I mean, these deer are running. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to make a shot on a deer that's standing still, much less a running deer.
1: Yeah, so, exactly. And, it, and it's hard to tell what you're shooting at too. I mean, the thing is, yeah, yeah, you know, they're
2: running and you're, well, I, I can't really tell because his body's stretched out. So I don't know if he's a big mature deer or not. Oh, I'm I, I, okay. I'm shooting. Um, you know, I like to be able to study the deer and it, Hey, if a guy can see a deer running 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour and determine, Oh, I know who that is. That's Snoopy. He's a five and a half year old, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. More power to him. And he can take a shot on a running deer like that and ethically hit exactly where he wants to hit every time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's awesome. But, um, I, I'm just not that good. Um, you know, with a shotgun, take running shots like that. So it's, uh, it's not something that I do. And, um, again, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to bash shotgun hunters cause I know everybody's got their reason. Well, that's what we, what's what I was raised to do. It's a, it's a heritage thing. It's a pastime thing. Um, I'm not, I'm not criticizing people that shotgun hunt. I, but I am kind of criticizing the the sport of it, you know, the mm-hmm. practice of it. I just I think it's unsafe. I mean you can you can hit another hunter um, you know yep. how many deer are you are you wounding? Uh, how many times are you having to shoot it? You know I've heard stories last year there was a group of shotgun hunters that described shooting this buck like five times. Well, I shot him once in the front leg and I took his elbow out and then he was hopping. And I ran up and I put another shot on him and I got the other leg. So now he was just pushing his body with his back feet. And then I shot him in the neck. Right. And it kind of paralyzed him a little bit. And then I and then I ran up and shot him. I'm like, geez, oh, peas. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this just sounds gruesome to me.
1: Right. I mean – my thing is is this is like just to put it bluntly it's like again it's like i'll caveat it saying the same thing that you said it's like look i'm into i'm into everyone having an opportunity to hunt the way they want to hunt right it's you know it's good to have a voice uh, Mm -hmm. or for you know hunters to have an amplified voice more people in the woods you know enjoying the outdoors enjoying the 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 sport and stuff like that it's all all good so i want to check that box before i kind of start saying what i'm
2: going to say here right um, Isn't it sad though we have to be that politically correct? <laughs> I know,
1: I know. It's like I can't just come out and say how I feel because it might offend somebody and they could get angry about it. I know,
2: and, uh, and you don't want somebody to take what you're saying the wrong way, you know?
1: Right? Because um, I'm not saying that I don't want you to have a good time. That is not what I'm saying. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that is could be the couldn't be the furthest thing from what I'm trying to say. I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, mine, I think, is is I don't like drive hunting in general. So in Pennsylvania, we have rifle hunting, you know, because we have mountains that will stop bullets and terrain and stuff like that. So here we're using rifles with scopes and and so forth. But there's still a lot of drive, you know, deer drives that go on, especially in the the areas that I grew up. I think a little less out here where I live now because you just don't have the big, vast farmland that you do back home, uh, you know, where I grew up. But I'm just not down with it. Like there's there's a couple reasons. There's a safety aspect of it. Number one, um, you know, even when I did used to gun hunt, um, I still always felt slightly unsafe in the woods, even though I was always hunting on family property, um, because it was just everyone would pile onto this one piece of property, and, and everyone kind of thought they knew where the good spots were, so everyone wanted to kind of be around those good spots, and it's like you're rifle hunting and you're and you're gonna sit 200 yards away from me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like your, your rifle is very capable of making its way to me. You know what I mean? The, the, the bullet. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm not down with deer drivers and, and one of the other reasons too, is this is what I explained to well, two things, I guess. One is, you know, I understand that some people, that's how they grew up and it's their, their heritage and stuff like that. And I'm not saying if that's how you want to hunt, then, you know, if you have land and that's how you want to hunt the land and that, and that's fine. Right. Like if it's, I don't agree with it, but I, there's not a whole lot I can say about it, right? Mine, mm-hmm. I think, goes to when you have a group of hunters that hunt a property together where some people have and have managed the property, right, in my case, that has done has done work in food plots and habitat management and has watched and passed deer and watched them grow for a couple years, only for other folks to come in at a different part of the season, and having not done any of the habitat work or put any of the, the sweat in or put any sweat equity in, and then drive off the mountain in the in the in the hollows and wax a bunch of deer, you know. And this is the part that might piss some people off, but you know, and in, in, in harvest deer that they would never be able to harvest that if they had to legitimately hunt hunt that deer. Like, sure. I think that's the yeah. part that like kind of gets me is that you know. There's not a strategy behind it. There's not you outwitting the animal. And that's part of, for me, like, is the allure of, of, of bow hunting. It's like, you know, it's not the weapon per se. It's the chess match and the limitations that the weapon provides. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part to me that says that, yeah, I'm whatever type of hunter I am. I'm a good hunter. I'm not a good hunter. Whatever. It's like, I'm not really into, like, trying to rank myself as to how proficient or how good I am. But it's like, I want to do, do battle with that animal. You know what I mean? And to me, when you're, when you hunt in that manner, and again, I'm not trying to discredit anybody. It's just for me personally. Right. It's like, to me, you've taken the strategy and the challenge away from it. Um, Yep. You know, which to me then it's like, I kind of look at, you know, when, when I get a text message from a buddy who's harvested something with a gun, you know, with a, with a rifle, it's like, I'm always like, Oh, it's a great deer. You know, I'm just not, I don't get as excited as if they would have taken it with a bow because I would under I would know more that that was like, there was, there was some, some serious effort and thought that went behind that, that harvest where this one was, you, you know, likely sat in a spot and someone drove a a ridge off or whatever. And a deer came running by because he was running for cover. Um, You know, it's always, this is how I frame it right before rifle season. I get the same question from my family is that you're, you going to rifle hunt this year? And my answer always is No, um, and they ask me, well, first the question is why not? And I say, well, just cause it's not something that it doesn't do it for me anymore. If I'm going to take my vacation time to hunt, I want to, I want to use my bow. Um, that's just my yep. personal preference. Um, and then the next question I always get, cause it's always the question at deer camp is, well, where should I sit? And my response is the same every year. And, and it's like, it's, and it pisses people off because I say it doesn't really matter because there's no strategy involved after about 8:30 30 in the first gun cracks. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. like, the only strategy involved is in the morning if you're going to try to catch something coming back from uh, coming back from feeding. You know what I mean? I was like, because once yep. that first gun cracks, there's so much scent in the woods in PA with the amount of pressure that's in the timber that there is no strategy anymore. I was like, so your best bet is just go to the thickest cover and park your ass in front of the thickest cover and wait for something to run for their life to try to get away. I was like, that's the yeah. strategy, you yep. know? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's my rant. That's kind of how I feel about it. Again, it's like, you know those who that's what they like to do then that's awesome there's the one other thing that I'll say and I don't know how truthful this is I don't want it to be taken as truth per se um but what I see at least right and you know um you know whether it's on social media online or whatever a lot of the a lot of the stigma and the challenges that we have as hunters to overcome with the general pop general public is often from that brown it's down deer driving Kind of mentality, right? Sure. Um, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say it's everybody who anyone who doesn't hunt with a bow is is a problem because that's not that's not the truth. That's not what I'm saying. But if yeah. you if you just take your own group of friends and family as as an example, right, and go, I have friends who are diehard bow hunters, right, and look at how they represent and present hunting when they're talking to other people, right, and how they <laughs> kind of carry themselves, <laughs> and then look at the group that is that is not that are more the of the rifle shotgun only variety i'm going to go out and hunt 2 days a, a year the opening first 2 days and go to deer camp you know what i mean sure nothing wrong with it but look at how they approach hunting and how they would have the same conversation about harvesting a deer versus the person who harvested it with a bow and yeah, tell well, me which one is <laughs> tell me which conversation is going to be one that is going to make people misunderstand who hunters are or which conversation is going to likely help people understand who hunters are.
2: I was, uh, I was on a plane ride. This was probably two, two years ago. Um, I was on a plane ride and it was a, uh, it, it was a flight that was like 1, a, one AM boarding. So for the most part, everybody got on and everybody was just out, you know, right. lights out. Um, I ended up sitting next to the, fl- one of the flight attendants, she was sitting next to me and very friendly struck up a conversation. Hey, what do you do? Um, so went through, went through, um, career paths, uh, and current career paths. And she goes, Oh, well, I'm, I'm against hunting. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I said, well, let me explain. She said, uh, she goes, well, first off, how do you hunt? And so that's when I said, you know, let me explain. And, and I, and I painted the picture for, her. um, you know, studying, you know, topography and trail cameras and food plots. And, um, so the, all the deer that I don't harvest are all healthier. Um, mm-hmm. but I talked about, and I pulled up my laptop and I said, see this deer here? This is a three-year-old. I had him on, uh, I had him, you know, he was broadside, could have, could have flung an arrow at him, decide I wanted to let him go, um to mature and and reach potential. And I said, you know, this is the deer that I decided that I wanted to take. And, and I explained the, the hunt, the process of the hunt and the strategy that went behind it and the reasons why I did it. And, um, you know, I even talked about tasty backstraps. Mm -hmm. So she goes, you know, the way you just explained that, um, the, the picture that you just painted was that like you went to battle, you know, mm-hmm. you went to battle and you harvested the deer and, uh, uh, you know, I think anybody will say that, uh, shooting with a bow, um, is a, is a tougher way to harvest an animal. Certainly. Um, and she said, you know, my experience was with, um, there was a bunch of drivers, mm-hmm. uh, in her area and they were rifle and shotgun drivers. And she's like, I used to hear these stories about how they would take, pop shots at running deer and maybe they wounded it. Maybe they didn't. Um, sometimes seven or eight people shot it at the same time. They didn't really know whose tag was going to go on it. And she's like, you know, that's where I developed kind of the bad taste in my mouth for hunting, but bow hunting, she goes to me, there's hunting and there's bow hunting, Mm -hmm. you know, is the way she explained it to me. But, uh, and that's, that's kind of exactly what you're talking about as far as the negative stigma that I think gets put on some of this stuff. But, you know, again, it's, you know, like I said, I hate the fact that we can't just, hey, this is my take on it. I am, I'm by no means bashing someone's choice of weaponry on how they want to hunt. Everybody hunts for them the way they want to hunt. Um, but no different than if somebody said, hey, I, I hiked a mile today. And then the next guy stepped up and said, I climbed Everest today. Right. The dude that climbed Everest obviously earns my respect. Congrats to the guy that hiked a mile. Right. The dude that climbed Everest gets my respect. Right. So, um, so, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, that was the reason why I switched to bow hunting. Mm -hmm. There was a time that I decided, you know what, I'm probably not going to kill as many deer, Mm -hmm. um, or have opportunities to kill as many deer, but I'm okay with that because I am, there's a certain style of hunting that I want to pursue now when I decided to pick up a bow. And I also go into each season knowing that, yes, this is tough. It's not as tough as longbow and recurve hunting, but it is tough. And there's a chance that I might not harvest a deer this year. Right. Um, and I'm, and I'm okay to accept that. I'm 39 years old. I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where nobody can make fun of me and it's actually going to bother me. You know, <laughs> <Right>. Oh, you <laughs> right. you must be a bad hunter. You didn't kill a deer this year. You know, no, right. I, I passed a ton in three and four year olds and next year, <laughs> um i have given myself an opportunity to harvest you know 5 and 6 year olds right the problem being is when you have a group of shotgun drivers that come through and they shoot every antler deer that they see mm-hmm. well that 80 inch deer is never going to be a 120 that 120 is never going to be a 140 um So that's kind of my question would be to a lot of those guys that hunt in that strategy. If it's brown, it's down. It's like, look, you can actually eliminate the population Mm -hmm. and and then have nothing to hunt next year. But then here's the other caveat to that. The people that hunt, in my opinion, the people that hunt in that strategy, they don't care. Yeah. If it's brown, it's down. Yeah. You know, and I was just going
1: to say, it's interesting that you just mentioned about the deer numbers because you mentioned it earlier too. And I literally just read an article where they were talking about how the deer numbers are uh, are, are beginning to decrease in certain areas, right? Like, in, in mm-hmm. And the article was really all about, you know, it's been a trend that's been happening for a while in specific areas. I don't remember exactly what area this, this article was coming from. I want to feel like it was maybe Illinois or Wisconsin. It might have been Indiana, some somewhere in the Midwest, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but they were talking about how the deer numbers have been going, uh, dropping lower and lower every year for the past couple of years and that... You know, hunters, of course, are, they're blaming their state agencies for not, you know, for mismanaging natural resources and they're, they're blaming it on predation and they're blaming it on CWD in certain areas and stuff like that. When this article was really talking about exactly what we're talking about right now, where it's like, look, man, at some point, hunters have to look in the mirror and say, hey, we're kind of part of the problem
2: here. We it's, know that it, we have yeah, these a other... A lot of it is. I mean, yeah. in our area, we had some EHD issues um, back in 2012. And, man, some of those EHD survivors were absolute freaks. Mm -hmm. They were awesome deer. But, um, you know, in general, uh, a lot of the deer that we're chasing are just now deer that were born in 14. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of these deer are three and four-year-olds, or I'm sorry, in in 13. So a lot of these deer are three and four-year-olds, the Mm -hmm. the bulk of them uh, that survived. Now, obviously, you have ones and twos as well, but... The numbers are down uh, in this area, and, you know, a lot of the talks that I have with some of the locals, they say, um, man, back in the glory days, you should have seen all the big deer we have. And they also comment on the number of hunters Mm -hmm. uh, has increased tremendously Mm -hmm. uh, in this area as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, man, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. You know, is there, I'm not going to lie. Is there a small percentage of me that's like, dang, that's a deer that I was chasing. Okay. (laughs) I'll throw that out there. If anybody's listening, is like, oh, well, I wonder if, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, that's why we do it. That's why you hunt. That's why anybody listening hunts is sure. We're happy when our buddies harvest a deer. But how, it, how does it compare if we kill the deer? Right. Whenever I, you put in the work and you put in the strategy and you did the food plots. And, I mean, you, you know, you look at some of these groups and it's like, have you guys ever harvested a deer with a bow ever? No. But right. come shotgun season, they kill a half dozen a day. Right. And I mean this is the thing like my
1: my buddy that took lucky like and I said like he's taught me a lot about bow hunting and really took me under his wing he's you know he's a little older than I am he's not quite old enough to maybe be my dad, but you know old enough to be like a way older older brother like or a or a younger sure. younger uncle type of thing you know um uh-huh. awesome dude awesome hunter um primarily a bow hunter you know he kind of got out of bow hunting for a while until I kind of re lit his fire to get back into it. And now he's traveling to Ohio by himself this year, going on hunts and stuff like that. He's got the, you know, the juices going again. And he called me after he took him, you know, and he, he said, and this is how, you know, you have a good hunting buddy. He said, he says, Clint, I shot a big eight point tonight. I said, did you really? And I'm all excited. And he's like, and it's lucky. And I told him congratulations right away. You know what I mean? Cause that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like a great deer. And he just told me, he's like, Clint, a little bittersweet he's like i didn't want to take this animal this way he was like i had a i was trying to put some meat in the freezer and uh and uh didn't realize what i pulled the trigger on until i walked up to him you know and uh and you could hear it you know that he he was i mean he's proud as all get out to have that deer don't get me wrong you know what i mean and i can't wait to lay my hands on those antlers just to check them out you know what i mean but you know there was a part of him as the bow hunter going man this deer would have been awesome to take with a bow you know what I mean? Sure. And he, you know, and said to me, he's like, you know, you knew this deer. He's like, he, he, he killed him on the, well, basically in the hollow that I've been hunting, hunting him, him in, and where I had uh-huh. seen him the past couple of times. You know, and he, yeah. so we had a nice conversation about it, where we, you know, you know, confirming like where we thought he was bedding and stuff like that, and just a lot of puzzle pieces kind of came together, like after he killed him and stuff like that. Um, but you know, there was definitely a part of him where he was like, man, this animal should have been taken with a bow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and not well, that everyone's going to necessarily feel that thing, way, but you know? what's
2: that? Yeah. What's it? It's that respect thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When well, he has tremendous respect for the animal too. I mean, cause he was just, we didn't talk so much about the hunt and this is, and, and this was the cool part about it. We didn't talk so much about the hunt and how it transpired and how it came together. He was just kind of, you know, waxing poetically about like how cool of an animal that was, you know what I mean? Like just, the size of him, you know, he was just kind of describing like his, you know, his shoulders and, and, and his brisket and just how thick he was and just like a fully mature. Cause this is the thing, like in Pennsylvania, you, you don't get that, uh, that often in that area. You know what I mean? Like I've hunted this property for six years. Um, you know, a, a combination of, of, of gun a few times and, and mainly bow hunting it. Um, and that was the first four year old that I've ever seen on that property. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So, You know, he was just kind of marveling at the, uh, at the animal. It's like, look, same thing like we said before. It's like, I don't want to begrudge anyone the opportunity to go out and enjoy the outdoors and stuff like that. But there is, like you said, there's a part of me that's just like, that was a deer that I spent a lot of time going after. And, you know, is there a part of me that's like, damn, I wish I would have killed that deer. You know what I mean? Um, yeah of of course there is it doesn't mean that it, 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 there's nothing that says that i can't feel both ways about it. there's nothing that says i can't be extremely happy for my buddy and then also slightly disappointed for myself <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like i'm allowed to yeah. i'm allowed to have that but you know i don't think they're going to change the gun laws anytime soon um you know here in pennsylvania right. probably not in probably not in iowa either so you know i don't know man like that's so we did our we did our venting right and i know we're we're running up here we've been you know chatting for about 30 minutes um, and I definitely want to get to Rick, but, uh, what do you think some solutions are, man? Do you have any, have any ideas as to how, um, how to manage this or how, how to change it going forward or what are some, you know, things that can be done? Like, I don't, I don't know. Just, do you have any, any thoughts on that?
2: Uh, maybe move, <laughs> um, like seriously, I mean, like, um, You know, I was told when I moved to my area that, oh, the shotgun hunters used to be a lot worse. I mean, they literally, they came through here and they killed everything that was moving. And we never had good deer. And I've heard that the deer, uh, the groups have gotten smaller and a couple of them have fallen off as they've gotten older and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, it's my choice to bow hunt. Uh, I I want it to be the hardest way possible for me. And I guess technically the hardest way would be like longbow, but, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of bow hunting and, and that's the, that's the method that I've chosen. That is a, is a good challenge for me. And, and I like it and I enjoy it. Um, the other part of it is, you know, I'm concerned about the number of deer to chase. I mm-hmm. mean, if, if these guys went out in these groups and all they did was kill five and six year old deer, mm-hmm. holy crap, you know, like, Congrats, guys. You guys are slaying some giants. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, but when you when you talk to some of them and they're like, hey, we only shoot mature deer in our group, and we make sure that we kill enough does and kind of balance things out, and then you get the deer numbers, hey, how's the season been so far? Well, we've killed about five bucks so far, no does. Mm-hmm. One of them was a good buck. The rest of them, man we thought they were a lot bigger and uh yeah they were just a couple of two and three year olds i'm like great i mean you're they're not just hurting me i mean they're hurting themselves as well and they're hurting the herd and i mean you know qdm Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not a crazy person for wanting to see mature deer harvested and and not young deer uh, I'm not the per- the person that invented QDM. It's I mean it's a thing, you know. Right, right. It's something that everybody is trying to promote to improve the quality of deer uh, that everybody has access to. I don't own the deer; the state technically kind of you know basically owns the deer. And um, you know, if anybody hey, you know listening decides you know hey I I hate John because he doesn't like shotgun hunters, it's not the shotgun hunters that I dislike. I dislike some of the tactics that I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and it, I dislike the safety, um, you know, side of it or the lack of safety. Um, uh, and, and maybe that's just me being a retired cop. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, man, you guys are going to end up getting shot, you know what I mean? Right. In a crossfire situation. But,
1: well, I think you, you know, said a couple of things that were interesting there, man. And it, just to kind of close the loop, I guess on my end here is, you know, as I'm listening to you talk like this, this is my takeaway. Cause I think you said some things that were really good there. I think more importantly, just like know the scenario, right? Because I think that, I think if that was just, if, if folks just understood, so if I'll use our property, for example, you know, back home where, you know, like you said, taking all bucks right now on that property, they took the, they took the higher percentage bucks on that property. I will say that, you mm-hmm. know I mean? There were, there was that one lucky that was, was a hammer for that area. Um, and then there were, there were a few, what I called up and comers that were eight and nine points. It looked like they were probably two, maybe a three year old here and there, but just, you know, needed another year and he, would, they would be a really, really good quality animal. You know what I mean? Um, but they didn't take a single doe off the property and mm-hmm. don't think they took a single doe off the property last year either. Um, and that area is the area in Pennsylvania that is in like in the sweet spot of the CWD zone. You know, which I mentioned in the past, which is why I can't put mineral out there. I can't, you know, use any type of, you know, mock scrapes or anything like that in that area. So it's like if you combine all those factors and go, we're in the hot zone for CWD, which means it's a possibility that we're going to see some issues. Maybe. I don't, I can't say for certainty, right? I'm not a biologist, but like it's, 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 it's trending in the wrong direction. I think we can all agree on that. Um. And sure. then we're going to go harvest the top end of all the bucks that we see, right? Without kind of without kind of making a judgment as to like, man, you know, we've got a CWD area that we're, that we're in here. Maybe we should kind of let a couple of these up-and-comers kind of scrape by this year and make sure that we have a, a decent herd. And maybe we should do some doe management to reduce some of the numbers so maybe we can control the spread of CWD a little bit so we're getting less and less concentrated deer in, in, in concentrated areas, right? Like, if that was the thought process, then... By all means, like kill whatever you want. You know what I mean? Or kill whatever's pertinent or whatever's you know appropriate. But to kinda go in and just kinda you know, no pun intended, but guns ablazing and just kinda start mowing down whatever it is that's going to come by you because you wanna put a because you wanna put a deer a deer down. You know what I mean? It's like and then not taking into consideration what the possible ramifications are more broadly. Like that's the part to me where it's like, man, you got to think these things through, especially if you own the property and you're trying to manage it. Like it just you're working against yourself there, and I think that's the part that I'm kind of like, I don't under- I don't get it, don't understand it. But yeah, you know. But hey, man, I think uh, at this point, I think we've both kind of made our point. Again, we'll add the disclaimer: John and I are not anti-gun, anti-gun hunting. We are just let's. Let's all be on the same team and think about it a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's just it. I mean, it's um, at the end of the day, you know, a, li- a little more conservation side, a little more looking at next season and the season after that uh, kind of keep that keep next season in mind before uh, before you pull the trigger on, on any weapon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, think about uh, what, what, you know, what it might be doing to the herd and, um, you know, everybody's got their own way of convincing themselves that what they did was the correct thing. But, um, you know, I don't know, maybe people go a couple of seasons and they're like, man, the only thing I saw was a bunch of spikes and two-year-olds mm-hmm. and maybe we ought to lay off killing as much as we're, you know, as much as, you know, as much as we're doing. So, yeah. um, no, I mean, you know, like in Iowa this year, they also, I'll throw this out there. They opened up a smoothbore rifle round. Mm-hmm. Um, just one round in particular. Uh, it's, it's kind of an odd ball round. Um, so there's been a few guys going out there and picking up those guns and, and hunting with that. And, you know, it's got me worried to death mm-hmm. because I'm like, where does it end? Mm-hmm. You know, next year or the year after that, is it going to be okay? Now we've opened it up to two seventies and 30 out sixes, right? If we do that in Iowa, and there's any kind of a season at all. I yeah. mean, Southeast Iowa becomes the next Pike County, Illinois.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what we got here, and, man. You know what I mean? It's like that's the, you know, two seventies, thirty odd sixes, seven MMs, you know what I mean? It's that's the uh I think, you know
2: two forty threes and I'm not a herd biologist, I'm not a deer management uh by you know, by trade or by school or training, but you know, if they eliminated the rifle season in PA mm-hmm. um I mean, the very next year after they did that, you know, bar none, yes, there's going to be a lot of grumblings and people are going to be upset about it, but could you imagine the the increase of quality, big, mature deer that people see? it's,
1: it's, It's funny because it's, the thing is, is that people have this idea that you can't grow good deer in Pennsylvania and that's just not true you know, to be like, you can grow good, you're not going to grow Iowa deer in Pennsylvania, right? It's just, there's a, there's a food density issue that the soil in Iowa produces more food per square mile or per per square acre, rather, whether it's in the timber or whether it's in a field, it doesn't matter where it's at. It, it grows more than it's, than its counterpart in Pennsylvania. Like that's just a biological fact. That's a Neil Daughtry who's done tons of wildlife and biology management with his, his, uh, his, uh, habitat outfit that's you know straight from him um yep. the thing the thing is 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 literally what you're saying is you know which we experienced on the farm this year that's why there was a, a nice crop of young up-and-coming deer because last year no one saw anything like lucky was the only good deer that, that anyone saw the entire year and the rest of them were what i call peckerheads they were like you know fork horns and spikes running around with like one nice rack you know basket eight point that ran around and that was it and none of them got killed last year and, I mean, it's not a coincidence, and then all of a sudden, this year, it's like, oh, man, you've got, like, six six nice up-and-coming deer that are two-and-a-half-year-olds that are all sporting, you know, sporting some bone. You know what I mean? It's like, so, it, I guess people just need to be observant as to, like, why, uh, connect the why. Like, if you're seeing X, like, where where, and why did that happen, or why did that happen, and how did it happen? Well, it happened because they, they lived. You know, they were around last year. You just didn't notice them because they weren't worth your time to look at. You know what I mean? It's like... And now all of a sudden they've got another year age on them, and you know, bam, there you go. You've got a nice crop of deer on your on your property. If you mow them down this year, chances are, you may not replenish again. You know what I mean? So you're 100 right, man. It's like, you know, it, it, you know, doing away with gun season in PA for one season would never happen. But the but the sentiment is is that if everyone just collectively, you know, decided, you know that and not everyone's going to hunt for the same reasons, and I get that. But if you're a person who enjoys hunting good deer or would like to hunt good deer, that should be your that should be your motivation. Because if you can do that and, and, and change some other people's minds, you know what I mean? Then it, it can be better. Because the farm that I hunt, it's like it before it's like there were there were guys down there who've hunted deer all their life, who killed plenty of deer, were still shooting, you know, year and a half old six points and stuff like that. And I, I said something about it. I was like like really? I was like, you gotta like are you gonna mount that? You know, because I was like, if you're not, I was like, I'm not sure why you shot it. You know, I was like, because you know, you've you've killed plenty of plenty of those. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that I've been in your garage. I've seen these hanging on your wall or in your in your garage. You know, Mm -hmm. so now at least they're setting like an eight point minimum, like any nothing less than an eight point, which is a step in the right direction.
2: That's made a huge difference already.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have the antler restrictions here, and like in some parts of PA, it's three on one side. Other parts of PA, I think it's four on one side. It depends on what part of the state you're in, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not. I can't remember precisely what it is, but even on our property at home, it's not even like we finally got to the point, you know, that everyone who hunts there has agreed that it's it's not just four on one side legal buck or three on one side. Yeah. I think in that area that it's like it's a rack eight. It's got to be an eight point, or it doesn't get taken. Well, here's you know?
2: something to throw out, Clint. Like almost here. Here's an idea. Maybe you ought to do a poll. Would you <laughs> rather kill a one forty? every single year or would you rather kill a 170 every other year right and i think that kind of the the way people answer that question um i think sheds a lot of light on the audience you know yeah well Um, it's it's interesting too because some of these
1: folks you you know that you know that you know maybe. you know, and if they're happy killing a forkhorn, then far be it for me to tell me that they tell them that they that they shouldn't. It just to me, it's like you could you could do a little better. I think is what I'm saying. Like you could, we could raise the bar collectively, um, and or raise the standard collectively. But you know, it's the mm-hmm. same person that'll say, "Well, I'm just hunting for meat." You know, what I mean, and that's and that's fine. But at that same time, if you put put that person in a in a stand and you put, and you you put a forkhorn. Next, a hundred and thirty-inch or hundred and forty-inch ten-point. Which one are they shooting? Because if they're hunting for meat, they should shoot the one on the left because it doesn't matter, or they should shoot the forkhorn because it doesn't matter. But ten times out of ten, they'll shoot the hundred and forty-inch ten-point. You know what I mean? So it's like it's yep. And, and I got I was talking to Ryan, and I know your buddies with Ryan Fuhr from from QDMA. We were talking about that when he was saying mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of the the meat hunting. Um, approach you know it's like if that holds true then that then that should be true no matter what antler size is in front of you but it just doesn't hold hold water and then i think the quote he gave was i like to i like to drive fast cars chase pretty girls and shoot big bucks <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and uh and, and somewhere i thought there was a t-shirt
2: in that somewhere yeah there probably is yeah. somebody, yeah. somebody needs to jump on that yeah that's, that's what, what i said that's that's trademark that's going to be trademark soon yeah exactly so john, i think john and i just
1: created a t-shirt business with with that t-shirt alone um yep. all right man so i think with that dude let's go ahead and get yep. rick uh I, and we were talking long term short t- short term goals geez man i'm having a hard time talking today um but with rick uh his were all short term this year because that fool got into a mess of deer early in the year and uh he's gonna tell us all about his october magic
2: yep this uh this this cat cracks me up man um like i, I said it once before i could sit and listen to these guys from up in that area talk like i love their accent forget about it you know what i'm saying you yeah. know it's just it's funny to me <laughs> yeah without
1: further ado man let's go ahead and get a little of that that new york uh pizzeria pie town love from uh rick Kylie. there you go before we get rick on the line i want to take a quick break to talk about our partners at exodus outdoor gear Of course, we have the holidays coming up, and you should absolutely head over to the ExodusOutdoorGear.com website and pick up an Exodus trail camera, either for yourself or possibly for that hunter in your life. If you use the promo code TRUTH at checkout, you will receive a $20 discount on said Exodus trail camera. With that said, we're also doing an Exodus trail camera giveaway for the Lift 2, which is the newest camera that had come out. All you have to do to get entered into this contest or into this drawing is head over to the truth from about page and submit your information to the email newsletter sign up if you do that one thing you will be entered into a drawing once we hit 200 folks who have entered then we will do a random drawing and get the goods out to you and for more information on the exodus lift cameras head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com and now back to the show all right, welcome back to another episode of The Truth from the Stand deer hunting podcast. And today's guest, we are joined by uh, a buddy of ours. He is a, a second-time guest here. He was on, uh, I want to say nearly a year ago we had him on. We're talking to Rick Kiley from the great state of New York. Now, the reason Rick is coming back on is, one, because he's hes a hell of a guy and we like him. Uh, but number two, he had what I like to call the, uh, a magical October uh, uh, this year. Um, you know, plenty of folks, uh, you know, go into the deer woods and the beginning of October is really kind of the time people get excited. Of course, deer hunting is just kind of opening and, and then you hit that kind of period of the season where people refer to it as the law and it's, uh, the law and it's debatable whether that's, uh, you know, a factual thing or if it's something that's make-believe or is it just because deer shift in territories and then people really kind of pick it back up as things get, you know, closer to pre into pre rut. And then of course the end of, uh, of October is whenever we really like to kind of hit the, uh, hit the timber and people get excited um but the thing is is that rick actually had a a fantastic october um and all of october has been great for him and i've been following him on social media and if you're not you should follow the double lunger on instagram because this dude has seen more bucks this season than i think than i may have ever seen in any three seasons combined but ricky how are you doing brother
3: all right my man how are you clint
1: I'm doing okay, man. I'm hanging in there. I mean, I'd like to say I'm doing pretty good, but I don't know that I'm doing as good as you are, man. You've had to, you've had quite the season so far.
3: Well, I'll tell you, I had the, uh, I guess the, the bow hunters out there can call it the dream season. It is uh, all the cards happen to fall in my place, totally unexpected. Hopefully, to be expected, but unexpected. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's it's just totally. Totally amazing. This is pretty much what it's
1: all about. Right. I mean, but I I definitely want to jump into the, you know, and talk about the hunts that you had specifically the deer that you, you were able to take this year, but man, you are just like, every time you're doing a sit, you know, I follow your Instagram feed, you know, pretty closely or whatever, you know, you and I talk quite a bit and it's just like, every time you're in the timber, I'm seeing you post videos of bucks. So it's not like you're seeing them from a distance, like you're seeing them close enough that you're literally getting video of, of, of these deer. And I'm assuming like some of that you're shooting on your phone.
3: Yes, actually, all on my phone. I don't have any uh, professional videographer, you know, recorders or anything. Right. But it, but but it's pretty much uh, uh, open. A morning, I shot that one buck thirty minutes into it. Two weeks later, I shot the other buck, <clears throat> and you know the, the the hunting group that I that I hang out with here at home and my two hunting partners that I hunt with, they're like, yeah, now everywhere you go, you're going to see bucks. Yeah. And it's 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 pretty much the the way it the way it's unfolding every stand that I haven't hunted yet that I had saved and every tree I had picked out for the winds for the rut, after the pre-rut and after the beginning of October, all new areas are all panning out to be if, if I didn't fill my tags, it would be unbelievable. I'm like, I'd fill my tag now, or I could fill my tag now. Every <laughs> tree in every spot, it's working. Right. You know, my, my friends don't have their tags filled, and I'm like, well, why don't you go to this tree that I didn't sit yet and, and I'll bring you to this spot. No, 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 I'm going to stick to what I'm doing and 20 minutes later, the, you know, the sun's coming up. I'm sending them a video. They're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I told you. <laughs> so it's just pretty cool the way, you know, the karma's kind of working out. And uh, it's just pretty neat. Right.
1: Like I well, said, it's,
3: it's, uh, uh, it's a dream season. And it's pretty neat the way it's going.
1: Nice. I, I mean, I know, you know, for those out there listening, like this stuff isn't happening by chance. I mean, Ricky puts in a ton of time, you know, a ton of boots on the ground. There's a lot of scouting. I mean, if, it, when you're not working or spending time with your family, you're pretty much living in the woods. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's working because the work was put in. But... I mean, is there anything, did you do anything differently this off season, you know, as far as like your scouting or were there different types of terrain or different types of land you were starting to look at that was just different than what you had hunted in the past that you, that you think you is the reason for why you're seeing such, so much more activity or have you been able to kind of put like anything together for why, you know, it's playing out the way it has?
3: Well, if I can remember correctly, the, when I was on your show the last time at at the end of the podcast, you asked me, what would I do differently? Mm-hmm. And to change up what's going on and and what, what I did different and what I wanted to do different is
0: this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Takovis is your stop for the best in western style Takovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more
3: you're hunting your areas like five or six or seven years straight, and just start getting them like a, you're not seeing the bucks you want to see. Or I, the year before that, I didn't see one one buck deer. Right, I shot like a hundred twenty-inch eight-pointer, and you know, a, a big medium on Thanksgiving weekend, and a bunch of does. But I'm like, I got to change something up here. So what, what, what I wanted to do, and really, I took. a a week off a vacation which you know it's on my instagram i put down a shedcation right and i took a week off in march and i walked every single day what i didn't want to do is get far away from what i knew but just get to the outer skirts of it and just change it up a little bit find nice sheds find different trees little different areas just a little further away and and i found a couple like uh Greg was showing me with the GPS, Greg Litzinger. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I got a couple really, really big pieces that you know I, I need to get to these trees with a GPS. I'll never find them, right. and, uh, and and they're working out too. It's, it's unreal. It's really, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're just going to some uncharted territory that might be kind of somewhat untapped too. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. if you're putting in some some distance and uh, getting <clears> into some areas that are kind of, um, you know. I don't want to say you know that are let's say maybe they're more vast, right? Like there's some areas yeah. that are just a little, there's more ground to cover. So you're so there's the likelihood of someone being having been there in the past or in the recent past is probably a little not quite as the likelihoods probably not quite as high. So you're getting to some virgin territory. It sounds like
3: correct. And 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 how nice is it being a bow hunter with the sun coming up and the whole woods waking up and you're in a spot you've never been in before?
1: Oh man, that's you like, have
3: no you have no idea what's going to happen or where it's going to come from. It, it, and and it's just amazing that that is that is what I really really love. Right, now so, that I'm tacked out, I can I can say, yeah, who cares? I don't have to think about it. We <laughs> try to mastermind the wind. If the wind's not if the wind's not perfect, I'm just going to go and sit and you know and, and, and get a sunrise. Right. And Here he comes.
1: Right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and,
3: uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So let's talk a little bit about, you know, cause you're talking about you're moving into some of the outer skirts of the places that you're hunting and stuff like that. And I definitely want to get into the deer that you killed specifically, but I want to kind of set the stage a little bit. So when you're talking about these different areas now, like give me a sense of like, are we talking, is this, is this big woods? Is this, or is this small parcel? Is this public land? Is this hill, hilly terrain? You know, what, what type of setting are you, are you, are you kind of getting into in these sets?
3: I am getting into like in the beginning of the season with the buck that I killed open in the morning, that is small parcel, half public, half private, with major bedding and two runs that go into it from feeding to bedding.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: From where they're feeding at night, from where they're coming in to, to, to bed up. And I, I found these two runs, and it's where I hunted before, but I just changed it up. Instead of going deeper into it, I stayed on the edges more and hunted the wind, perfect, one hundred percent.
1: Right. So is this, is this swampy? Is this hardwoods? Like what, what what kind of, what kind of terrain are we talking about or habitat?
3: Hardwoods and bullbriars.
1: Okay. Nice. So it's good. You know, there's, I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's some, uh, uh, trees dropping acorns in the area and with the, all the briars and brush, it sounds like, like you, like you'd mentioned, it's probably some nasty yep. bedding with some decent food for October.
3: Oh, without a doubt. There's a lot of white oaks, but the white oaks weren't that good here this year.
1: Really? That's I mean, interesting. And
3: actually the white oaks, they dropped early. They were, uh. I'm going to say probably by the first week into the season they were done already. They were really eating up.
1: Really, that wow, that's a, that's interesting because yeah. a lot of folks I talked to, I know around PA, even Ohio, and I know that we did the DIY report. There was a lot of folks who had you know plenty of acorns, you know, even headed in through toward the end of October um, with a lot of folks I talked to. So that's interesting because I know in PA we had a great year for for, for mast. Yeah. It was good.
3: Last, last year the acorn crop here was unbelievable. I mean incredible.
1: Hmm, interesting. So the
3: white oak, yeah. So,
1: I want to jump into the, this first buck that you killed. So let, let, let's start there. You know, f- first off, I want to ask, so this, like you'd mentioned earlier, this happened in the first 30 minutes of the set, right? And so, yep. so correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a morning set, right?
3: This was. This was actually open in the morning, October 1st in New York.
1: All right. So what's interesting there is like, I know, you know, a lot of folks, you know, it'll be, I don't want to say, I don't, common knowledge isn't the right word to use, but it's very much a, a a tried and true method, or something that bow hunters follow. That a lot of times they're not hunting mornings, early October, and they won't hunt mornings till they hit you know maybe the third week of of October, um, yep. unless they have something that's on a pattern that they know that they're going, they, they can get in that bed to food wheelhouse and and make something yep. happen. So what was it for you that <clears throat> that told you to get into the Get into a stand the the, the first morning. Is it was there something that you kind of had a feeling, or did you have something, some type of intel that you just felt like that spot was a, a place you should be in the morning, or what? What was the deal with that?
3: So this is how the whole this is how the whole era of me going where I was open in the morning. <clears throat> I believe the date on the camera stamp was August twenty third. Now I just mentioned to you before with this ticket that I was hunting on on the on the edge of it, it has one two primary runs that come through hardwoods. If you could picture it. Mm-hmm. From a big, big food source through hardwoods, one coming from the north and one coming from the west, and they intersected perfect, perfect before they stage, like I could picture the deer staging up and going into the food source. Mm-hmm. When I when I like to use my cameras and place my cameras, I don't like to go deep into the sacred area where the deer are going to be bedding all day long. Like even to put a camera up, I don't want to run in there and bump deer out of there just right. to get a picture. You know what I mean? Right. I, I want to I put the camera on the runs, like I'm going to hunt them. Like you said, don't go near the, you know, for the afternoon, they're bedding in there. So I, I had my camera on one of these runs for probably, and, and I use these runs as a timestamp, the runs that, that, that I find from, from shed hunting that go from bedding to, 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 to transition area, to staging area, to feeding. I'll say, okay, if a deer is going to get out of its bed and get on this run and work its way in the evening, right when it's getting dark, get, to, get and work it all the way to bedding, to, and to feeding, maybe 2 o'clock in the morning the deer still going to be on this run working or coming back from the food source, away from the bed. Mm-hmm. So I, I put my camera on this run, facing down the run, where I can get like a, a a picture of a deer maybe 50 yards down the run. Anything just to give me a clue on what's going on. Right. So to make a long story short, I put my camera on this run. I think I left it for two weeks. My friend Adam and I came back in the afternoon. I ran in, I, I grabbed the camera, I got it out of there. I looked at the pictures, and I went through all the pictures, and there was, a, you know, does and little bucks on these runs going back and forth, just like I thought. And I'm like, all right, you know, this is definitely what they're doing, like I thought, 100%. And then a on one picture, like 60, 70 yards up the run to where the tree is that I picked out, I got one picture of a deer walking away, heading into that bedding area, with a huge left side on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I couldn't see the right side because the way... The trees were blocking it, mm-hmm. but I almost erased it. I almost I almost missed it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, look at this. I went, oh, my gosh. So I look at him, and I say, that tree's got to get cleaned. Like, it instantly clicked. Right. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, we're going to go home, and next weekend, that's it. I'm not coming out here until 1 o'clock in the morning, and i got to clean this tree up. And he says, you're nuts. I said, no, you can come if you want, but I'm coming to do it. That's it. Right. So that's what I did. I waited until the next weekend. And I knew if the winds were going to be northeast or northwest, I'm definitely going to get in that tree for opening morning, but I want to make sure I have it ready. And I went in there at 1 o'clock in the morning and did all the work I had to do, the, the limited amount of work that I had to do, and I didn't get back in there until opening morning again. And it totally worked out. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, couldn't I couldn't believe it. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in my stand opening morning. It's, it, it's an hour before getting dark. I'm looking at the stars. I'm like, all right, here we go. It's opening morning again. I wonder if this is going to pan out you know, I'm probably never going to see this deer I got the picture of because that's usually how it works, you
1: Right, know? right. So, so let me ask that's you this. Like, going in and cleaning up a tree or, or getting, you know, doing some, some tree stand prep, if you will,
3: Yep.
1: It, going in at 1 a.m., is that something that you typically do or is that something Oh, that...
3: I've never done that. No? <laughs> <laughs> but I knew if if this deer and other bucks that, that are with him in a bachelor group, maybe, are using this – and I was even uh, – I, I got in there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to come in there in the morning – the sun's gonna come up. They're gonna smell where I was. I mean, I put my boots on. I sprayed as much as I had to spray. I've never done that ever. Have I ever done that?
1: Wow. Okay. So, so that's. Did you hang the tree that day, or did you just clean the tree up?
3: No, it was a, a tree I climbed.
1: Okay. Okay. So you climbed. All right. So yeah. so give me so so we've we've gotten to the point now where you got a picture of this guy, right? Even though it was from yeah. a distance, you you saw enough to to get you excited to know that that you need to try to get something done you get in there you get the tree cleaned up so you have a smooth ascent that first morning Definitely. um so tell me what time what time are you hitting the timber um you know when you when you get in that first morning what's your what's your usual kind of setup walking in
3: boy i'm gonna say i got in my, i got to my tree and got my lone wolf around the tree Oof. usually on open the morning i'm an early bird i like to sit there for an hour or so right so i, I i'm gonna guess like Quarter to
1: five, maybe? Quarter to five, okay. And then you saw him and, and you of course, you know, made the made the shot about thirty minutes after after first light roughly. Is that is that correct? I'm
3: gonna say within the hour. Within the Definitely hour. Definitely within the hour. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you're sitting in your tree, the sun's coming up, I know just like, you know, bow hunters, just, you know, like John and I, and you even mentioned, it's like one of the things, it's one of my favorite things to do is, especially that first morning, because it's just kind of like, ah, it's back, right? As I just like to watch the sun come up, watch the leaves kind of turn colors and the, you know, the, the, the forest come alive and stuff. So you're kind of watching all this happen, right? So tell me about... When you see him approaching, how he was approaching and kind of walk me through like the whole scenario from the time that you spotted him to the time that we, you were able to take the shot. Like I want to hear how all yep. that went down.
3: I love reliving this. Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't? So, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I'm sitting there. You know, the, wood, the woods is, like you said, coming alive. And uh, nothing's really happening for like the first 20 minutes. I'm, and I'm like, all right, so I'm in this set. I, I, I've had this all planned since August. The wind is perfect, just how I want it, north, northwest, and northeast. And uh, finally, I look over my left shoulder, and I see, you know, movement. You finally, you first catch a glimpse of a movement. So mm-hmm. it's a doe and a fawn, and they're coming perfect, right on the on the run that comes from the west. And Clint, they came right in they're, they're, As they're coming, they're, it's going to be a 20-yard shot. Okay. I'm saying, should I shoot this big doe or no? Right. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's here again. You know, should we do this and just, you know, shoot a big doe? So she, she as she's coming, they're almost to my stand like for a 20-yard shot, right? The way I'm set up for perfect. I just happened to look over again to where they came from, and I saw them.
1: And now, are and they coming from behind you?
3: No, they're coming from my left flank. They're coming okay. perfectly perfectly in front of me. Okay. So the run that they're on is going to be a 15-yard shot coming past me into the bedding. It's perfect. Nice. Picture perfect. So I look back over my left shoulder after, you know, I watched them for a couple minutes working their way to me, and— I just see this freaking rack floating. <laughs> that's all. That's all, Clint. That's all. I looked over. I'm like, "Holy crap! Are you kidding me?" I couldn't even believe it. My heart was <laughs> for like a minute ripping. <laughs> I'm like, "All right, relax. We've done this a million times here." Right. But it, it looks like a 200 inch freaking deer to me. It right. looked giant.
0: Right.
3: So, and it, it, it's coming through like uh, it's like a nice high canopy, like like I would say chest high to a point that I'm sitting on the edge of it. It's uh, I'd say like Russian olives. Okay. So he's coming. Now what he's doing and what I realized, what he did after the whole hunt kind of transpired and, and I killed him, I shot him. He, I'm getting ready, and I, I bow hunt with a hinge. Mm-hmm. So I get my hinge out of my pocket, and I cock my hinge under the ledge, and I put it on my loop, and I add pressure. Now I'm setting that. Now I get set on my stand to shoot him where the doves are right in front of me on that run that I'm set up for. hmm and I look, and I don't see him anymore. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where the heck did he go? So I, I look, he's, he's going behind me. I'm like, oh, no, my that's the way my wind's going. Right. So now I'm watching him, and the does are right there in front of me. Now the does are both watching him. So I'm watching him, and, and as he's walking, I'm like, I have to turn around and shoot him on the other side of my tree. Oh, man. So now I have to turn totally around with these does 15 yards in front of me. So I turn around as quiet as I can with my eyes shut. I'm like, any minute I'm going to hear him blow at me. I can't even believe this is going to happen to me.
0: Right. I'm going to
3: mess this whole thing up. So I turn to the other side of the tree, and it's 22 yards. I range it real quick to a log that he was walking look, he was walking right in line with. So as he's walking, I'm like, all right, here we go. This is going to happen. Clint, listen to this. I come to a full draw with my hinge. I anchor just as he's coming past. So I, I have a shot past the tree I'm sitting in because now I'm facing the tree. I go to stop him. There, I stop him, and he stops too short. <laughs> Dude, I'm at full draw, and my pin's on his jaw. I'm like, "Wow, my gosh, are you kidding me? And now, I don't know if you have a shot with a hinge, but if you make any kind of little move, that it's going to go off. That's it. Right. So I'm holding, and I'm holding, and I'm holding. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's not going to move. I have to let down. Oh, man. I let down. I relaxed took my I took my hinge off the loop I put my hinge back on the loop he took a step I stopped him again I came to full draw I anchored I got my pin right down where I wanted it and I just started relaxing and just holding the weight and, and boy I'll tell you that that string dump and that arrow freaking went through him perfect oh, oh
1: man how long now oh. so after you were drawn back there and you were waiting for your because that's the cool thing about shooting you know a hinge or whatever or what have you is that that surprise release right I mean that's yeah. what you're, you're looking for is that that, that yep. surprise release how long yep. did it feel like you were waiting until you got that surprise release?
3: Boy, I, I tell you, what, when, when you're in it, when you're a, a ball hunter at full draw, I guess you can call it in the notions a, a, as per se. <clears throat> everything just kind of like slows down, especially with a deer that caliber. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't. It, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this isn't going off. Right. It, okay. Everything just felt. I mean,
0: perfect.
1: Right. So, all right. So you, so you laced him with an arrow. You saw it, you saw it make good, make good contact. Now, did you see him, did you see him drop or did, you know, whenever he took off, like what happened then?
3: When he, when when I hit him, my fletching was just sticking out of where it went in. It hit his off, it hit hit his off knuckle Uh going out. And all I saw him was tuck his head down and like bulldoze right through the, right through the thicket into the bedding area. So now, now here I am with my hand behind my head, you know, after shooting mm-hmm. and I'm, now I'm just, I don't see him, but I'm listening and I actually heard him fall over like four seconds later. I heard it. Nice. It was perfect. All right. It was so. I, I mean, and I'm standing in my stand with my release in my hand going, all right, now what do I do with this? I was like so confused. <laughs> like, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> oh man. So, so, all right. So you get down out of your tree, right? Uh, and you're walk. Yeah. You're, you're walking up. Give me, the, give me the walk up. Like, what are you thinking? What what, what are you thinking when you first see him?
3: I get down out of my tree as quick as I can and I get over to where I shot him, couldn't find blood and, and I'm like like I'm I'm like in a run. I wanna run and I wanna get my hands on this thing. Right. And I said, You know what? I ain't looking for blood, I'm going right to where I heard him fall and, and he only went like thirty, forty yards. Right. And and I'll tell you, it's not my it's not my biggest buck, but it's probably like three inches off of it. Right.
1: Nice.
3: And it, it it's just it's as bow hunters and all the bow hunters out there listening. The magic of taking a beautiful deer, whether it's a doe, a spike, a small basket eight, or you know a big mature hundred and seventy inch buck, is just amazing. It, it, it's it's something that I almost feel sorry for people that don't do it that can get this feeling, and it's something you can't describe. I just got on my hands and knees with this thing, and it was just it was yeah. a moment that you can't take away in my life that I'll ever give to anybody. It's unreal. Yeah. it's awesome. I hear that. Yeah,
1: that's that's a, very
3: that's... very 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 humbled and very. Appreciative, to yeah. be in that in, in that moment and that to be given to me. You yeah.
1: know? that was well said, man. That was a, that was a nice that was a nice yeah. way to tie that one up. But so so when you got him home, man, did you did you happen to score him? What did he end up scoring?
3: Well, I rough scored him at one sixty three.
1: One sixty three, man. That's, that's,
3: but that 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 that's me roughing it. Uh, you know, a couple of my friends say he's definitely definitely over one sixty five, one sixty seven. He's gonna he's gonna be back here in two weeks from a taxidermist, and we're really gonna. We're really going to put, you know, instead of uh, a piece of parachute cord, we're going to put the. My friend has a wire, that you know, that he he scores all the deer with, right? And I'll, uh, you know, I'll I'll shoot you a text or I'll put it on, you know, a post on Instagram. Yeah. What you know, what he really scored? Yeah.
1: For sure, man. That's uh, I mean, because dude, I mean, anywhere that's a great that's a great deer, and the yeah. fact that it's you know, you know, you're hunting in a in New York, of course, you know, what I mean, where it's not known for for big deer um yeah i mean that's that's i mean that's an exceptional deer for for that area i mean you know i'd definitely be happy with that you know john and i talk about you know what you just kind of mentioned which was just the you know hunting for yourself you know approach of no matter of what it is if it's a doe if it's a basket a 163 inch deer whatever it is you know it's that feeling that you get you know does the, the size of the animal doesn't give you that feeling it's just the it's the the experience you know it's uh yep that you get to have, well, and, and that's uh, that's awesome the way the way you the way you stated it, John. What are you thinking, man? New York? We might have to get some New York tags here in the next like year or so.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, there's uh, there's a bunch of those states in the New England area that'll that'll really kind of surprise you. I mean, the Maryland's and New York. I've seen some great deer come out of New York, and um, hearing his story, I'm like, man, I'm gonna go and eat pizza and 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 um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Be a New Yorker. Come on, you know?
3: Yeah.
2: Forget about it.
3: I got the best pizza you'll ever <laughs> have, pal. We'll <You'll> see.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Now, you were you were talking about the hinge release and yeah. you know, as you were telling your story, I'm like, I know the way the story ends, but I'm like, man, he had to let down. I've done uh hinge and back tension. I tried it one time, I gave myself a bloody lip, and that was it.
3: Been there, done that. That's how you have to learn, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'll say letting down really comes to, uh, you know, a lot of shooting over the summer, a lot of 3D, and sticking sure. with the hinge. I've, I've probably shot the hinge for 15 years now. So that's like, it's almost like having another hand. You know, when I draw the bow back, it's almost everything's natural to me. But when you let down, you really sure. got to cock your wrist and let down. And In that situation, it's in my mind like, oh, my gosh, if this thing goes off, I'm going to mess it all up, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no doubt. So I yeah. mean, the, the crazy thing is, man, is like that story alone and that hunt alone is like a, a great hunt for any hunter anywhere in any state, right? Yeah. But then yep. you you had to go and just like and just <laughs> up the ante a little bit here and, and, and you know because in, in New York where you're at, you get two buck tags, right? If I'm not mistaken, right?
0: That's, that's correct. Yep. Yeah. So there's two, two
1: buck
3: tags for the regular
1: season, right? And so I remember it was just like, you know, whatever it was, two weeks later, and I'm scrolling through. And I knew you had another buck tag, and like, and I know you do a lot of doe hunting and stuff like that. So I was expecting to see some does come up on your Instagram feed and stuff like that. And yeah. then I see yet another picture of you with another great-looking buck. Um, this one, the kicker with this one was, is like, I don't remember the exact date, but what I do remember, because when we were texting originally, is that it yeah. happened, I feel like, in the middle of the lull. And that was the part that, like, oh. I really thought was interesting because a lot of folks, you know... Um, everybody
3: everybody talks about this, you know, unquote, quote, unquote, lull.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like, and I wanted to talk to you about this deer because it was like, number one, it's also a great deer. And I wanted to get the full story. Um, but you yeah. were able to take it during the, the middle of the time where people say that they see the least amount of deer movement and least amount of deer action so I want to start by asking you know what time of day was this also another morning hunt was this an evening hunt what was the situation with this one before we dive in to talk about Rick's second book of October, let's take a quick break to hear a word about our partners at Whitetail Institute of North America. If any of you out there are anything like me, you've probably already started at least daydreaming and shifting gears to think about plans for next year. And for me, part of that process is what type of food plots am I going to put in, where am I going to put food plots. I, of course, have one new property that I'm going to be doing some food plotting on. The first step that I really need to take once I kind of figure all that stuff out is to do a soil test. And you can pick those up at Whitetail Institute of North America or whitetailinstitute.com. Testing your soil is probably the most important step for making sure that you have food plot success. And Whitetail Institute's soil test kit will give you exactly or show you exactly how much lime and fertilizer you'll need and make sure that you don't spend any more money and don't buy anything that you don't need to make sure that your food plots are successful. It's going to ensure the most successful food plot possible. It's going to save you money on fertilizer and lime. It's super easy to use. I've used it last year. They send you a readout with everything that you need to know, and then you also get a professional consultation uh, via a 1-800 number if you need to ask any additional questions. So in order to get set up and prepared to get your food plots in, on time this year being the key, hopefully mine will get in on time, uh, head over to whitetailinstituteofnorthamerica.com or whitetailinstitute.com and pick up your soil test kit now to prepare for the spring. And now back to the show.
3: And, and, and what's so weird about this season, this was another morning hunt. Wow. And, and I, I am not a big advocate of shooting a mature or, or, or a big deer for the mornings. I'm, I'm more of let's sneak up to the bedding area, let's get in the middle of their transition, and let's get these bucks in the afternoon after they get in, in the morning and get comfortable. Let's get them coming out. I've, I've shot most of my nice deer in the afternoon. Right. So this year was like from the work that I did and the new spots that I found, and sticking to them was one of my big things. Is, is It happened for me both times in the morning.
1: Right. So, was this also one of those areas where it was just, it was on the fringe of other areas that you've hunted? So, this was really a new spot again?
3: This was a new spot, but I've hunted it before, but have never figured it out. Okay. I've hunted it a couple times. I, re, I, I redid the stand after finding a nice shed and a lot of deer activity. But as, as you hunt an area, how can I tell you how, how, I, how I looked at this and said, this is definitely what I want to hunt in the middle of October during pre rut oh,
1: Right. So, what was it about this that said that you needed to be hunting? It was a, there
3: was a huge, there was a very, very big population of does there. Okay. Like, you could walk, you could walk into this field, there's a cedar field, and, and this edge of this thicket, and at any time of the day, if no one's walked in there yet, and pop out six, seven does. And all, right, all, laying, you know, all right around on the underneath my stand. My right. stand's only like 15 feet in a tree, tucked in really, really nice in a poplar tree into a nice big uh, uh, Russian olive bush. Okay. So what I what what I was thinking was, or the way I put it together, as October runs around and all the bucks start moving around and start smelling and start running after does and see what's going on. Not a lot, just checking the does out. This would be a good transition area for. Bucks that don't live in the area,
0: mm-hmm.
3: but from a half a mile or or, or or another big plot of woods, that would come in there and start checking those out for pre-rut. Mm-hmm. You, you know how pre-rut is. It's, yep. it's it's it's. I I think pre-rut's better than a rut.
1: I'm starting to be become a believer. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, and 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 it worked. And and I'll tell you, I passed the buck first. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds.
1: Are you serious? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not. I am serious. I. I, my friend Adam goes, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "Dude, I passed them first. And I, it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy how it happened. So it is, it is unreal. And and then when you're ready to hear it, I'm ready to tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, let me let me uh, let me ask. I don't you want this.
3: to I don't want to jump ahead of you. you <laughs> right, it's mean?
1: okay, man. It's okay. We're gonna, we're going to draw this out nice and slow like for the people out yeah, for the people listening. No, I'm good with it. What uh <laughs> so I want to know again here what what kind of property were you hunting here? Was this again was this small parcel was this public land was this a big parcel so give me the kind of details of what the what this property kind of encompasses
3: this was public small parcel that is overlooked tremendously okay so from the pressure from the big public these doe groups and bucks have their own little sanctuary that nobody not i wouldn't say anybody but somebody like me that has a knack for these small pieces that you know what i bet you there's deal living in here when mm-hmm. the pressure's on over there mm-hmm. and um it it's it, it, it's it worked incredible it, it's
1: incredible. funny it's funny you say that because i'm starting like so this year was the first year i hunted a small parcel and well actually i shouldn't say it's the first year i hunted a small parcel for the first time last year when i say small parcel you know i'm talking like something you know 15 acres and under type of thing you know what i mean like yeah, something I, like that like i like Yep. Yeah. Talking like yep. suburban type of hunting. And I did that for the second time here this year and I saw deer and it, it was kind yeah. of a similar, that's where I killed my buck this year. It was on that small parcel. It was a parcel, a small yep. parcel butted up against public land. And you're a hundred percent right where it's like all the pressure is pretty much all around this small little piece of property yeah. that no one's paying any attention to. And that, yeah. that buck I ended up shooting was actually bedded right behind me. Um, cause it's just super thick and super nasty. So it's, I'm starting to become a believer in some of this small parcel hunting, um, just yeah. because most, hunters, I, I, it, it's the whole mindset of, if I didn't walk three miles and almost kill myself to get there, then it's not worth hunting where I kind of exactly. more follow like the, you know, the Dan Enfault method sometimes to a degree of, of where it's like, I'm looking for the, 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 the spot that's near the parking lot or right off the road that nobody wants to hunt, but that's where a buck's going to lay because nobody's been there in 20 years you know yep. Exactly. Um, so that's exactly. interesting so the next question man is so the, the previous guy you had on camera so what was your setup for this did you to, especially to go in and hunt a morning like what told you yeah. to hunt a morning did you have some camera intel or what was the deal there
3: Oh, nope, I, I had no camera intel i'm not really big on the cameras just a little bit and that's for you know like like i got lucky this year with the opener that, right. that was no camera info just my info from shed hunting uh I got a long wolf hang on that was, that's was that been in there. I had that set since the summer. Mm-hmm. I had my shooting lane set. Uh, I, I had one run behind me I could shoot, 15 yards. One run to the left of me that goes through a fence break, and I have a whole big field in front of me I could shoot to see the cedar field. And uh, and pretty much what I wanted to do was let that piece soak for all the other people that are in the big woods adjacent that. Mm-hmm. And when I think, you know, okay, all these people are really running around in these woods on blood trails and killing deer, and may- maybe guys are hunting the wind wrong, maybe they're walking in the wrong way, they don't know the woods yet, all these deer are going to get out the back door on them and, and, and hang up in there, where they, they feel safe. Mm-hmm. So, my thing was, for the pre-rut, if the, if the doe groups are hanging in there, all these bucks, or or hopefully some other buck from, from that hasn't been there or doesn't live there, is going to come check these does out. Right. And when when I drove that spot that morning I saw a whole bunch of people on the public you know all the spots were full mm-hmm. and I'm like that's it the wind is dead north I know exactly where I'm going nice and it worked it worked incredibly yeah,
1: I guess so man. <laughs> the uh so what about what about so you had a lone wolf in there that you had pre-hung right in the summer Yeah. Get, yeah. Give me a little bit about your your stand up here. Like what what was the were you was there something that was particularly funneling deer near where that tree you picked out was? You know what was unique if, about that tree that made you say that that was the tree you needed to be in.
3: If you look at this scene and situation that it is, it used to, I think it used to be an old pig uh, a, a pig pen farm. Okay, like years and years and years ago that grew up okay. all Russian olives, poplar trees, white oaks, and it's half hardwoods. If you could picture half hardwoods. That goes into a whole line of Russian olives that grew over this fence. On, on and only over this fence is where the Russian olives grew, and they're tall. They're like fifteen feet tall. These Russian olives. Right. So the fence, the fence that that cuts this field, the cedar grass, nice wheat field, and this hardwoods, is probably two hundred yards long, and the fence has a break in it. In the summer, I found the break, and you find a deer hair in the bob wire, mm-hmm. old bob wire, and the, the run that was coming through the break of this fence was insane. Okay. And you can see that deer, creature of habits. They don't want to bust through anything thick. If they have to, they'll walk right down a logging road, you know, right. like we would. Yep. And I said, "Look at this." I said, "This break in this fence is incredible. If I can make my own break on the other side of it, now I'll have two of them for two different shots for two different winds mm-hmm. okay. for a, for a dead north wind." Right. So I made my own break in the other one, and 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 it worked perfect. I put my stand right right in these Russian olives you know, a uh, long wolf alpha hang on, you know, with tree mm-hmm. steps, hung my rope, got my bow rope all set. My bow on, my, my bow hanger was up there. I had that all set in the summer and it was my first time getting in it and sitting it on October 21st in the morning. Right. So and I it think... was crazy. It was incredible. That's I probably awesome, saw it 20 deer. I'm like, Holy crap. They're coming from everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what's awesome about that, man, is like, is, you know, I, the one thing I think I want to point out right there is a lot of times, You know, folks who, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. So a lot of folks talk about habitat management, right, and managing properties and stuff like that. And some folks that, you know, I do some of that on some of the farms. I know John does some of this on his his property and, and, and stuff like that. But I think, yep. you know, you can build smarter mousetraps, even if it's not land that you own particularly, right? And just use what's, what's there, right? It's not like you have to build yeah, something it, or put something in it. So like yeah. you found an old fence that was dilapidated and it was kind of run down, right? When they had a break in it and that's yeah. where the deer were clearly yep. crossing. And so you just were thinking, Hey, if I make another mousetrap here for myself with what's already here and just make yeah. sure that there's a place for them to easily get through in a second area, I can have two opportunities to hunt this location. I think it's important for people to kind of hear and kind of take away because you don't always have to, you know, you know, I'm not condoning someone go down and cut down someone's tree on a piece of property that they don't own. It's not not what I'm suggesting, but.
3: Hey, it's mine
1: now. (laughs) Right, right. You know, but what I'm saying is, is like, look around, like, you know, I know in one of the places in Ohio, and it was one of the reasons why the deer made the loop that it made around me that I did see that came up to the scrape that I was a scrape line I was watching. It was because we, uh, you know, Chad had actually this summer when we were in there doing, uh, putting up cameras, he actually, we saw where the deer were making their, their, their way through and we knew what tree we wanted to put a stand in or one of the two trees we wanted to put a stand in. And so we put some brush across where that run was or where that trail was because we wanted yep. to kick them out to our right and make them have to loop around to give us a shot opportunity. Cause otherwise they were going to come right up underneath of our stand and it was going to be yeah. a straight on, you know, from behind shot and you were going to have no shot. So it's just little things like that that if you see a situation where you think you have an opportunity to see deer, you can use some things that are naturally around you to create that funnel, to create that opportunity for yourself and build a small, small, smarter mousetrap and just tip the odds in your favor that much more. I mean, you're talking 3%, but 3% might be the difference between getting a shot off or not.
3: Yeah, 15 yards or 40 yards, you know, you want to get them nice and close. And exactly. deer are lazy you yeah. will take the you will take the least resistant area
1: exactly so I'll get off my soapbox here with the uh, smarter mouse trap bits and I want to get now I want to get to the good stuff here I want to get so give me the give me the details so you get in your stand you're in the morning right
3: I get in my stand I'm in there a good hour before again and and I'm excited because I haven't sat it at all this year it's, it's the first time being sat the wind was perfect and uh you know right in fact in the dark in the dark. I had from the, the the little break in the fence that I made to the right. It was still I could just make out I could just make out a deer, and that run comes right to my stand, fifteen yards to the right of me, and goes behind me onto a logging road. And now, if the deer get on this logging road and continue up and around to head south, that's the bedding area. The bedding area is probably a couple hundred yards away. So this is like their transition mm-hmm. from feeding from the fr- from the from the public land. They're going to transition in this cedar field. Mingle around, and then come through these breaks to get back to the bedding. So they got to go by me if they want to get back to that logging road to get out of there to go back to the bedding. Right. So I, I I hear deer kind of walking in the grass in front of me in that cedar field. I'm, if if you, if you can picture it, and I'm like, all right, I hear deer, and it, it's light enough that now there's definitely a deer on this run. So as the deer is on the run, I'm looking. I'm like squinting with my eyes, and it's a it's a buck. I can see. Holy crap, it's got a rack on it, and and I can smell him. Did you mm-hmm. ever have a deer under you? You could smell yeah. his torso? Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could smell him. I could see the whites on his eyes, and he's just slowly walking like there's no care in the world. And I can actually hear like his like his I can hear his feet cracking as he walks by me, going by. It was really cool. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, that's cool. I don't know if it was a big buck, a small buck. It looked like a big body. <laughs> so now the sun's coming up, and I mean, I just got groups of does pouring into the left. I got groups of does out in the cedar field straight in front of me. I mean, those, like I thought, I mean, wow, they're here. They're on, they're unpressured. Definitely, definitely unpressured. So I'm going to say like, I haven't seen any bucks, just probably three or four groups of those. Some that came in, some are still out in the cedar field. I looked all the way down to the right side of the fence in the cedar field. And I just seen like a really nice side of a half eight dog and a doe, just a little bit, just nudging her around a little Mm -hmm. bit. I'm like, ah, all right, there's a buck out there. So I see him out there. So I take my grunt call. And I, I give, I see him out there with the does, the one side, I give him a nice big run, rah, rah, and boy, he stops and looks right at me. I'm like, wow, he took to that, incredible. Right. Boy, with that, on the run that the deer came on the dark, like three minutes later, he, he disappeared in the field, and I can't see because of the Russian olives in front of me. Here he comes. Hmm. He, he's coming through the break in the fence that I made in the summer, <laughs> uh-huh. and he's on the run. Now, this is when I passed him. Clint, check this out. So now his right side is his right side his, his left side is what I first saw back in the field looked like a half of a 120 mm-hmm. I, re- I want to be real picky I just don't want to shoot another buck right. I'm on big va- now my vacation starts after this Saturday because that was Saturday when I shot him mm-hmm. when Monday comes I'm on vacation for four weeks for the rut right I, so and I got one buck tag left I really want to make sure my want to make a count right well so he comes on to this run 15 yards I'm looking at him and I, and I I got my got my hinge set up, I'm on the loop, I'm, I'm turned on my stand, and I'm like, boy, am I going to shoot this? I'm, I'm looking at him real quick, and I'm like, I just don't know. So I turned around, I said, let me turn around, and if I'm going to shoot him, I'll shoot him on the other side of my tree. Well, instead of him staying on the run, he walked straight back to that logging road I was telling you about. Right. So now, now it was, I lost my chance. And now I see his other side is palmated with, like, 10-inch brows, and these kickers coming off this big-bladed of G2. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what'd I do? <laughs> I said, that's a shooter. Like, all day, it's a 140-inch buck that's 15 inches wide. I couldn't even believe what I just did. So I said, all right, relax. Chill out. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be, you know? Right. So now he's on the logging road walking away. I grab the grunt call again. I hit him with a grunt, and he just stops. So now I'm watching this buck through the woods on this logging road 50, 60 yards away. Now, he stops, and he didn't look back. He's just he's still looking ahead. And then this is what did it. I hit the snort wheeze on, on my ground call. I have the Primo's growl with the right. snort wheeze on it.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, I did. Man, I hit that thing. That deer tore a tree up in front of him, looked up to me, and I saw this little cedar tree, like a five-foot cedar tree, stuck in his rack after I did the snort wheeze. <laughs> I went, holy crap, here we go. So I reached back for my hinge. And, and, John, you can relate to this because you said, you, you know, you shot the hinge. I'm trying to set it up, getting the ledge under it. I get it on my loop. I look, and I look back to where he was, and he's not there anymore. I'm like, what the heck? He's right right there. He, he's right 15 yards on the other run now. And that was it. I said, that's it. You're getting it. I drew back. He stood right there. And he didn't even know he was hit. I, 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 I double-lunged him perfect. He jumps through the fence break, gets out into the field 20 yards in front of me, and he's still looking around with his tree in his rack. <laughs> He's looking around, I just saw a couple drops of blood drip out of his nose and it was a nice frosty dewy morning. I saw the smoke coming out of him and he four seconds later just tipped over. That's it. I was tagged out before my vacation.
1: <laughs> Jeez, man, that's crazy. So the uh dude that's wild man, a snort wheeze. So like that boy was jacked up then. Like he was looking for oh he was looking for a tussle.
3: God. When I shot him, I mean I know you've guys seen it. I, I, you snort wheeze a deer and you get him pissed or even if they come into a decoy how they puff up their hair and turn black? They mm-hmm. almost look double their size. Mm-hmm. I shot him puffed up like that. I mean, look at this thing; he's ready to kick someone's ass. If it wasn't for that grunt call, or that snow weez, I would never would have killed him.
1: Right. So, all right. So never. you got him out in the, out in the field. So whenever, you, what, how, like, what were you thinking after you after you made that shot? Like, I know you watched him tip over, but like when you got down, like, were you just like, I can't believe this all happened in like a two week span of time?
3: I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I'm again he, here. I am. I got this deer's jowls on my knee. I'm looking at this beautiful brown rack saying, yeah, I'm just saying thank you.
0: Right. I mean,
3: I mean, uh, it's, it's all a bow hunter can ask for. And it, it's not that I want to have giant, big, huge racks, and that's all I want to shoot, because I told you before I'm a hunter at heart, you know? Right. But, dude, it, it's awesome. And and what I, what, I, what I strive for all summer long and what I did to change my ways, not to get far away from where I hunt, but just change it up, And stick to it worked quicker, quicker than I ever thought. (laughs) Right. So I think, and then, and then, if you saw my Instagram post, it keeps working after
1: this. (laughs) Yeah, that's the incredible thing is that it it wasn't like it stopped. It wasn't like it stopped there. I think. I think the cool thing though is that you know, because this is the thing, it's like you know, for anyone who out there who has listened to the, the the past podcast that was Rick Rick was on with us, or if you follow him at all, it's like you know, and I would say this even if you weren't on, but Rick's a damn good hunter um you know and it has had plenty I, I appreciate that of, yeah it has Thank had, you, ha, yeah absolutely Thank man it's and it has had plenty of success and so it'd be really easy to kind of stick with what you've done in the past and what you have what you've known to be true in the past i think the yep. i think the kind of interesting thing or the key thing is is that even though someone you know if you're an accomplished hunter or whatever doesn't mean you can't kind of tweak your situation to try to to get better or to make some changes to give yourself some new or better opportunities um you know because a lot of guys will get stuck in sitting the same stands year after year because they've had success in those stand locations, you know, and I forget who I heard this from. It might've been, I don't know. It might've been Don Higgins or someone like that, that I was listening to or reading something from one day. And it was a quote from one of them that basically said, you know, it was basically talking about guys getting stuck and sitting in a particular stand because they shot a deer out of it last year. He's like, your best stand is always your next one. He's like, and you have to have whoever said that. You yeah. it was like, that's the mentality you have to have. Is that your next yeah. stand is going to be the best one you sit all year. And that you can't get yep. stuck and going back to the to the well over and over again, um, especially if you want to progress. And I think that it's cool that you were able to do that because this is these are areas that you know pretty well. Um, you've had yep. success in, in some areas, you know, not, not necessarily the particular areas that you hunted this year, but some areas around there. So it'd been really easy for you to fall back into those places and just say, yep. hey, I'm going to take whatever, you know, I, I kind of know what's going to play out here possibly. And maybe maybe what I want to happen will happen, but maybe it won't. Um, yeah. so I think that that's the, that's the thing that I'm listening to you and kind of taking away from it is that be aggressive, um, make your move when you think the move's there to be made. And that was something I learned the hard way this year I don't think I was aggressive enough when I was in Ohio and, uh, okay. you know, and, and just, and, and, and sometimes roll the dice and, and you'll be rewarded. <laughs>
3: yep. Without a
1: doubt. <laughs> nice. So let me ask you this, man. So. With the success you had this year, right? So things went, things went, well, first before, before we do that. So John, what are you thinking, man? Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty solid October.
2: That's, um, that's one, that's one for the storybooks, man. And to have those experiences the way he did, uh, opening morning, um, you know, to have a snort wheeze, um, you know, respond. I did a, I did a snort wheeze last year here in Iowa on, um, on a mega, mega giant buck and, and I learned, um, unfortunately, I learned that that was not the right call to make at that time for that deer. Um, didn't have enough history with the deer, didn't know the deer's body language, didn't know if he was the boss buck, if he was a fighter, or he was a lover, or whatever. And turns out he didn't He didn't like my snort wheeze, and he ran away, and, and I never saw that deer again. But a, the snort wheeze is like... I mean, we've, you know, everybody's grunted at a deer. We've rattled a deer in a time or two. Uh, a snort wheeze doesn't happen that often. Um, it's, it's a, and I don't know if it's just a lull of averages where a lot of people, you know, they don't go to that call or they don't use it. Um, but it takes an aggressive deer to respond to that. And you, you, you know, you acknowledge that you had a buck, you um, and you threw the call at him, and it worked. And that's awesome. I love Snort Wee's stories. I think it's so awesome. And you, like you said, when they look almost black and all their hair standing up, man, that's the coolest thing.
3: They tip their ears back. They start licking their nose. They walk sideways with their head tilted. Can't have oh,
2: yeah, in yeah. my back of
3: that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. Give
3: me a 150 coming in sideways, ready to get lit up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yep.
3: Nice.
1: So, man. So, so, what I was starting to say before was, you know, with all the success you've had this year, you know, yeah. you know, what what are you thinking for for next year? Do you have any? Have you started already kind of formulating plans for next year? Like, how are you planning to change things up? Is there anything you want to tweak for next year? So, you know, because I know you made some tweaks this year. Like, what are you thinking for this coming year?
3: Well, the, the 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 tweaks that I made this year worked so great in the beginning. How can I not try to duplicate them on that on that note? Yeah. But now that I already filled my tags, and like I don't know if you saw my Instagram code, uh, my Instagram, I had brought my friend Troy and put him in one of my stands
0: Mm -hmm.
3: that I had hung just for the rut—a new stand, new new place, new stand—and he shot a beautiful 130-inch buck, his biggest buck ever. Nice. And and now I've been sitting in stands that I you know I worked on all summer long that I got ready for the rut, uh, you know finding all sorts of scrapes, you know really nice. Scrape transition, uh, primary trails, nice sheds. And, and I told you, in, in the past, I'd hunt too many stands too much, and that's what I wanted to change. Instead of saying, I'm going here today, I'm going here, and now it's not working, I'm going this one, uh, in a week I'd be in 12 different stands. Right. I want, I wanted to pick three or four stands for the beginning and the pre-rut and three or four stands for the rut and really stick them out. From, from the information I gathered in the spring, from shed hunting and, and really, really walking the woods, you know, for hours and really taking my time. And uh, I haven't even sat my my two favorite stands I want, that I set this year for the rut. <laughs> I haven't even sat in them yet.
0: <laughs> nice.
3: I'm probably not good to them yet.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I hear that, man. So, yeah. so hey man, I wanna I wanna be sensitive to your time. I know it's uh it's getting later here in the evening, but I want to say thank you for hopping on and sharing both of those stories. Well, before we do that, man, what did this one end up scoring? If you don't mind me asking, did you do you rough score this uh, guy too?
3: I, I roughed it at it was one thirty seven. Okay, we're gonna do it again when you know when he comes back. Also, we're gonna do it. It's, it's right around high one thirties, one forties.
1: Nice, that's awesome. With man.
3: Fifteen, what a what a fifteen inch spread. It's really. Yeah, so really, really unique. How you know it's not wide at all, but it's got a lot of mass, big points, yeah. nice brow tines. It's a real high rack, it's
1: chocolate cool. tines too. The the, the, the oh, color yeah. of the, the the rack's just awesome.
3: Yeah, the body on this buck was tremendous. It dressed out two oh seven.
1: Nice, that's that's big boy. Got a little, yeah. got a little meat yep. on his bones. Yeah, man. So, so now. I'll be sensitive to your time. Sorry, I was insensitive to it and ask one more question. But uh, hey, man, thanks for coming on, and sharing the story, dude. I always like having you on. I always like trading text messages with you and talking to you, man. You get me fired up and make me want to go hunt, dude. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I ever need a pep talk, man. If anyone ever needs a pep talk, man, just get a hold of Rick Kylie, man. He'll get you all stoked up and ready to go and turn your season around. <laughs> hey,
3: well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Clint.
2: I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, you bet, man. We'll talk again soon, man. Take care, uh, and if I don't talk to you beforehand, you have a have an awesome holiday and. Uh, and and enjoy your time with the family.
3: Yes, sir. You too. You also, John.
1: Thank
2: you. Yeah, man, I appreciate it.
3: All right, guys. Have a good night. Thank you.
1: All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. We'd like to thank Rick for joining us. And before we shut this thing down, I want to give you a quick reminder to be sure to enter for a chance to win the Exodus Lift 2 Trail Camera. All you have to do is go to truthfromthestand.com and go to the About page and sign up for our email newsletter. You can also submit... Uh, this forum through the sign-up button on the Truth From The Stand Facebook page. Once we receive 200 entries, we'll draw the winner and deliver the goods. So with that, uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. And last but not least, we want to thank all of you for listening. And finally, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Whitetail Institute of North America, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands. And until next time... We'll see you
0: the door. Boy. I ain't welcome anymore. Been a long time coming, if it all. Oh. It takes a special knowing to call for broken letters. Rationalize yourself in numbers, but I got it. we